0: Hey, good morning. 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 Welcome to Lake Point Church. So glad that you're here. And uh, some of you, this is your first time with us. Thank you for being here to worship with us. It's always good to see my grandma in church. And, you know, there's my grandma right there. There she is. And she's coming down to visit. And, of course, my cousin from Texas and his, uh, uh, you know, uh, my second cousin, so they're here with us too. So good to see them. And uh, so anyway, we're, we're glad that you're here. And uh, yeah, you want to give them a hand? There you go, there you go. Make them feel good, make them feel good. And uh, so so glad you're here. If this first time here, there's a connection card um, in your chair, and you can fill that out and then drop it in one of our offering baskets throughout the building. Uh, if you're watching online, glad to have you here with us, watching with us wherever you may be. and. Um, I uh, also want to encourage you, this is the, we have three services on, uh, in the morning, uh, every Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, 10.30, and noon, and 10.30 always seem to have the, the best crowd here, you know, but um, 9 o'clock and uh, noon, are a little bit light, so if you're able to, you know, the shift, if you can, give us a little bit more elbow room and uh, to help us out, 9 o'clock, is a lot of room in that 9 o'clock service. A lot of room at the noon service, and uh, of course, if you got kids, you know we have LP kids only at the nine o'clock and ten thirty hour. But you got some flexibility, and uh, so if you able to help us out in that area, that give us uh, more room in here and not be so tight as well. So, but we're, we're, this is we're okay, you know. But just, just want to encourage that, and so um, that be helpful. Um, and uh, and then a couple of weeks ago, we had a greater things offering. And uh, we do this every year. And I uh, remember two weeks ago, we had a big offering bucket up here. And uh, some of you um, uh, gave, you had your bucket, and you poured it in, and uh, we almost overflowed the bucket. And, um, and so it took us a couple of weeks. Some of you, uh, still, by the way, we're still getting you know, coins so, um, and, 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 and chats and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's still good. And it's just, you know We actually have someone bring in their bucket today. And so they were out the last couple of weeks, and so they're going to be able to contribute. And, uh, and so we made a video about how we did, and I want you to check it out. Ever since we started Lake Point Church in 2010, we made an effort every year to lead with generosity. And every year since day one, we have started a offering called Greater Things Offering. And let me just say this, church, um, The best we've ever done for a Greater Things offering has been like $10,000, which is amazing, which is generous. And so this year, I thought, you know what, let's make a goal to pray for $15,000 in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a lot of uncertainties. And uh, I said, you know what, God, we're going to follow up, we're going to aim for $15,000 given. We've never done that, that would have been the biggest offering we've ever done, and here's what we ended up with. After the past two weeks, you as a church gave to the Greater Things Offering in the year 2020 to the amount of over $20,000. And that's incredible. We have blown our goal, and we are doing some incredible things as a church as we lead the way with generosity. And the past week, I wrote checks and gave checks uh, to four organizations, a $5,000 check to help a church plant in Ann Arbor. We help a uh, organization uh, that's doing foster care ministry um, in our area, Love for a Child. We wrote a $5,000 check for them. We also wrote a $5,000 check for Abigail Ministries that helping moms and their young families get off the streets and get them established. We even help churches that have been struggling um, in, a, in a difficult time of the pandemic, uh, we've been able to bless them with a check of $5,000. And church, it's because of your generosity that we get to do this, that we get to be a conduit, a conduit of what, how God blessed us to bless others. And so Lake Point Church, awesome. Thank you so much for leading the way with generosity. All right. Isn't that awesome? So, man, that's great. And we're just able to do that in in just a powerful way to uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus in a powerful way. And so, well, hey, we're going to continue in our message series. In fact, we're going to wrap up our series today called Back to the Basics. Getting back to the basics and the last, uh, this series has been about, you know, the different marks of a disciple, what the disciples do. And uh, a and key verse for this series is Luke chapter 9, verse 23, where Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And so, what we've looked at each week, the different marks of a disciple, we look at week one a disciple, he grows up spiritually. It's to grow up no matter where you're at, whether you're a, a new believer or you've been a believer for 50 years, we grow spiritually. And then we talk about a disciple to lead with generosity. We just talk about that. We see evidence of what you guys did as a church. And that's what disciples do. We look for ways to be generous in the way that we live. And then we talk about a, a disciple connect with others, you know, small group, mentorship. You know, the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. And uh, we're, we're, we're challenged. We're called to do life together with other believers. And uh, we've got small groups happening, and a lot of you in small groups, and uh, life happening in those groups. By the way, if you're interested in the group, you know, you can always check in online. We've got those information on our website, and uh, you can be involved in one of our groups. It's not too late to jump in. And so Get involved in groups. A disciple, Tom talked about it last week, Pastor Tom, did an incredible job talking about a disciple that serves, And uh, more than just being a volunteer, but the heart thing. It's looking for ways to wash someone's feet. Not just here on a Sunday morning, but all throughout the week in your life. And so that's what we've been looking at. And today, I want to close out this message series with the idea of a disciple... Is one who influences people to Jesus. He influences people to Jesus. And my prayer today is that you'll see yourself as an influencer. An influencer. I believe that you and I are called to be light in this world and to show the love of God day in and day out. Let me give you a statement, and we're going to look at this statement over and over again this morning, and I pray that this will really sink into your heart and that you will embrace the reality of this truth. Here's the statement, if you're taking notes. You have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement, or one expression of love might change. Someone's life. You have no idea. You have no idea how one conversation, how God might use one word, one moment, one generous expression in the life of another person to love them toward the grace of Jesus. Now, when I was growing up, I think about the people that influenced my life. An influencer in my life uh, was often a teacher. Or, or, or perhaps a coach, an influencer, or, or a good parent, or good parents were an influence in your life. Maybe someone who was a youth pastor, or maybe a Sunday school teacher when you were a kid that influenced your life, an influencer. But unfortunately, in our world today, the term influencer has been hijacked. Many people, they would say, well, an influencer today is a celebrity or a person that has, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of, of, of people who, who follow them on YouTube or, or on Facebook or Instagram, an Instagram star, a content creator, maybe an author of a book. And we say that's an influencer, someone who amassed a great number of followers in your life and especially in social media. There's such a thing now called social media influencer and, and our world has kind of captured that, the idea of what an influencer is. And what I want to do today is I want to try to reclaim that word to the original intent, the original idea, because I want you to see yourself as an influencer because you have no idea how our God could use one word of encouragement to someone else, one moment or one expression of faith to change someone else's life. You have no idea that God can use you. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we've got to get back to the basis of what this is. We've got to get back to influence the world for Jesus. And I want to show you exactly what Jesus says that you are. He uses two metaphors in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Well, what does salt do, by the way? Well, salt purifies, salt preserves, salt adds flavor. I want you to nudge your neighbor, and I want you to say, hey, you're kind of salty today. (laughs) Go ahead. All right, work with me here. You're kind of salty. All uh, right, look around. Now, now look at the other person on the other side and say, hey, but you're kind of shiny. You're kind of shiny. Come on now, work with me. Uh, salty and shiny. Because this is what the Bible says. In verse number 14, you are the light of the world. You're shiny. You're salty. And you should be shiny. It said, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. It just shines and shines. Light overcomes darkness. And Jesus said that you're to be light. In verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. In other words, let your love influence people to Jesus, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so, this morning, I want to reclaim the true meaning of what it is to be an influencer. By the way, I am not against the influencer in our culture. But the problem is, is that with our current view of influence, that it typically starts with a platform. And it's this idea that the size of your platform determines the scope of your influence. But I I wanted to think differently here this morning. And here's the truth if you're taking notes. True and lasting influence always starts with people before platform. Always starts with people before platform. And the good news is is that all of us here, you have people in your sphere of influence, in your circle of influence that you come into contact with every single day. You, my friend, are called to be an influencer. Now, let me ask you a question. Let me kind of work with you as we think about this. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, and you might know the answer, you might not, but that's okay. But who do you think... Who do you think influenced the life, or I'm sorry, who influenced the start of Late Point Church? Influenced the start of Late Point Church. And if you've been with us for a while, what well, you might say, well, Scott, it's obvious. You and your wife did, and about 20, 25 people, we kind of started, and we started in homes and, and kind of get going there. And then from there, we, we set up a, a tail down in a, in a school. And uh, we did that 10 years ago, and, 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 and you would say, you know, that might be what you're saying, which is absolutely true, but incredibly incomplete. Incredibly incomplete. Because who was it to help influence me to believe that God could use me as a pastor? I mean, let's go back a little bit further than that. Who could God use me to, to, to help me become a pastor? And, 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 and 10, year, you know, 10 years ago, I left a great church in Pensacola, Florida. And, uh, and I served at that church for 10 years. And I'm thankful for my pastor who gave me a chance, Pastor Gordon Godfrey. He's this little guy. I mean, he has a, he has a pulpit that was custom-made for him. It's just low. You know, and every time I preach, you know, the, you know, I, got, you know I, I feel like it's so low on me. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit taller. And he's just a little guy, you know. But, man, he's had a giant of a heart. And I remember reaching out to him, you know, fresh out of my Bible college, and I said, Pastor Godfrey, I want to serve at this church. I'll be an intern. And I can I work for free. And Pastor Godfrey loved the word free. <laughs> and I worked for free for nine months. I had a a, a, a little job outside of that work at a sporting goods store and um to just to, you know, give me some gas money. And uh, he connected me with some uh, place to stay and all that good stuff and, and I I was kind of a grunt. I just did anything and everything. The church runs about 1,000 people, and, uh, but I was just learning as much as I could. And then about nine months, you know, uh, I can't live for free for the rest of my life, so I said, to Pastor God, for, you know, time for me to find a church that might want to hire me. And uh, if you can't hire me, maybe you know somebody that might be interested in hiring me. Maybe you can give a good reference and all that stuff and said, man, God, I want to keep you. He says, you know, I want to keep you so bad. And uh, and so I said, well, you know, I'll do it. And and so he kept me, and I was an assistant daycare director at the church. He had a daycare. And so I did that part-time, and also was a part-time assistant to the discipleship pastor. And I was thrilled. It wasn't what I had pictured I would one day do, but I was just thrilled to be underneath his leadership. I knew there was so much to learn. I would do whatever it takes, even if I had to help change the diapers, you know. Now, one good thing that came out of that daycare is that I met my wife. That's, that's a great thing there. So, you know, so it paid well, all right. And so, but I'm thankful. And I work at that church, and about two or three years into that job, Pastor Godfrey says, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you out of the daycare. And I said, thank you, Jesus, you know. <laughs> he gets me out. And I became more on staff. I became a singles pastor. Over time, it became the discipleship pastor, and then over time, I became the executive pastor. We saw that church grew from thousand nine hundred to thousand people to around fifteen hundred on a Sunday morning, and, and and I was being used in such a great way. I, I filled the pulpit for him on a Sunday morning many times, and and then it came time to the day, where I knew that God was calling me to Michigan to start another church, to start Lake Point Church. And I remember going to his office, and I was kind of scared. But I went to his office, and I said, Pastor Godfrey, God is calling me to move. Because without that, there would be no late Point Church. I mean, there would be no Pastor Scott. I mean, I had to come to know Jesus. And the answer to that question is my parents. And as a young child, they took me to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. Wednesday night, we had church three times a week. And one day I went to them, and I asked them about how to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And, and thankfully, my parents wrote the date of my decision because I got on my knees before Jesus with my parents on a, on a Tuesday night. I'm sorry, on a Thursday night, on faith in Christ. Because of my parents, they influenced me. But I can even go back further than that. I think of the Sunday school teachers that I sat under, that influenced me to help me have a better understanding of who Jesus is. So let me ask the question again Who started Late Point Church? Who influenced the start? And you could say that we did, and that would be true, but that would be incredibly incomplete. Because in 2004, I went to a conference in Saddleback, California, at a church called Saddleback Church. The pastor is named Rick Warren. He wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life, one of the number one all-time selling books. And I went to a conference with 3,000 people. I didn't know anybody at first. And it was a mass of people. I'd never been to California. And I went out there and I listened to the conference. And one of the seminars, I sat down and I recognized someone I knew. There was a college buddy of mine. And we started talking, hey, what am I doing? And I said, what are you doing? And he started to tell me that he was a planter, a church planter, that he started a church. And in 2004, I hadn't heard that. In 2004, I thought, man, that that is the craziest thing I ever heard. (laughs) I mean, who in their right mind would start a church? I said, can't you just find an existing building? Can't you just find a church that just wants to hire you? And he said, no, Scott, I wanted to start a church that was very different in the community that I was trying to reach. I was trying to reach unchurched people. And he begins to tell me what he was doing. And I can't tell you that I walk away leaving thinking, you know, that's what I'm going to do. But it started a seed. He planted a seed. He had no idea of how, one conversation of what he was doing in my life. And I left intrigued. I left thinking, huh, that's interesting. And six years later, we're packing up our van, we're packing up the U-Haul, and we're making a drive back here to Michigan, all because of a conversation, all because of the people that influenced my life. Yes, you could say that Karen and I started A-Point Church, and that would be true, but that would be incredibly incomplete because there were people all along the way that didn't even realize that a moment with me was so important, so influential that it was a small piece in the big puzzle that influenced the fact that we're all gathered here today. There were people who influenced this. Are you an influencer? You have no idea what one word of encouragement might do to influence someone else. Here's what I hope you understand. There's two thoughts here real quick, and then we're going to jump into a Bible story that really kind of opens us up. But influence isn't always obvious. Not always obvious. And it's not always, number two, instant. Just because you don't see a harvest doesn't mean that your seed didn't take root. You have no idea how God might use you, that conversation, that word of encouragement in that one moment to plant a seed that will one day grow into a real and lasting influence into the life of somebody that you know into the life of somebody that you love. Now, I want to show you a story of the most unlikely influencer, perhaps, in the New Testament. The most unlikely influencer, and I hope that this will lift you up, encourage you. The story takes place in John chapter 4, and it's about a woman that nobody ever, ever thought would have any influence. In fact, Jesus was on a trip. He was on a little journey. He was on his way um, you know, from Jordan to Jerusalem, and he had to stop in Samaria. He had to stop there. In fact, he told his disciples that were with him, I must need go through Samaria. Now, most, most Jewish people avoid Samaria. They take the detour route because Jewish people and the Samaritan people hated each other. The Samaritans, they were half Jews, half Gentiles, and the Jewish people, they just didn't want to have anything to do with them. They thought that they were lower than humans. In fact, they thought that the Samaritans were worse than dogs. In fact, they would oftentimes pray to Jewish people, thank God that we're not a Samaritan. I thank God that I didn't, you know, wasn't born on the other side of the track. And that's how they prayed. That's how much hatred that they had toward each other. But Jesus, had need, must need go through Samaria, and he cut through. He stopped at a place, at a well. The disciples go into town to look for food, and Jesus is all by himself. And while he's there, while he's there, he shocked everybody in this story because not only did he interact with a Samaritan, he interacted with a Samaritan woman. And he shocked everybody in this story. He sat down by this well, in the middle of a day, and a Samaritan woman comes up to the well. And As Jesus asks for her, he asks her for a drink. He in that moment Jesus dignifies her by starting a conversation. And she's thrown completely off guard. Let's pick up the story in John chapter 4, verse 9. The woman was surprised. She's shocked. She's thrown off guard. She's overwhelmed. She's beside herself. I mean, this this doesn't happen. We don't talk. He said the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman why are you talking to me? <laughs> That's what he's saying here. He said, why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, and you can almost sense the love of Jesus right here. He said, if you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you're speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. And she's intrigued, The woman. She's intrigued. She's a little confused, but she's intrigued. She said, you know, you sure don't have a bucket. And the water is very deep. You need a bucket. How can I get you water? And Jesus replies in verse 13. He said, anyone who drinks this water, and he pointed to the well, he said, anyone who drinks this natural water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. And this woman, she noticed something very different about this man. And she said, you know, I'm interested in this living water. Please, can I have some? And Jesus said in verse 16, go and get your husband. And the woman said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you're not married to the one you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And you can imagine this moment, this woman's eyes just got really, really big. He said, Whoa, Jesus been this person right here doesn't know he's Jesus yet. He said, This person's been reading my mail. <laughs> he said, to him, Sir, you, you must be a, a prophet. You must be a prophet. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a Jewish man anywhere who would have interacted with this woman. But Jesus it approaches her with love in his heart and dignifies her. He honors her. Why, the whole time, Jesus knows that she's an outcast. She's an outcast in her own community. She's been divorced five times, shacking up with someone right now. I mean, that might raise an eyebrow in our culture today, but in this culture, whoa! She would, she would have been shunned. I mean, she would have been the talk of the town. People would always be whispering, hey, stay away from her. Hey, keep your husband away from her. She's bad news. This is that person, and Jesus, he knows all that. But he doesn't look at this woman as an immoral woman. Instead, Jesus sees a miracle waiting to happen. He sees something here, and knowing that a touch from heaven could completely change her life, and this woman that she's having a conversation with Jesus, it dawns on her. Wait a minute. Could this be the one? Could this be the Messiah that we've been praying about? Could it be the one that we've been hearing about, doing miracles, and raising people from the dead? I mean, he certainly knows a lot about me. Maybe this is the one. Perhaps I'm talking to the Messiah, she gets very excited, and the Bible says in verse number 28 that the woman left her water jar beside the well, ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And the people came streaming from the village to see him. Wow. Uh, What do you see here? A couple quick things here in a powerful story. First of all, and I wish we could take more time on this, but maybe this is something for someone in this room this morning. No matter how bad your life is messed up, you're not too far gone for the love of Jesus to come into your life. Maybe you can relate to the Samaritan woman. No matter who you are, what you've done, God's reckless love, he will will come after you, he will break down the walls, he'll do whatever it takes. You're never too far gone from the love of Jesus. That's a great principle. But here's the second principle, second truth from the story, is that we see the town outcast, you know, the one that everybody's whispering about. And we see her going into town with enthusiasm, telling the people that this may be the one and he's here, he's outside of our town at the well. This broken woman, this messed up woman, the woman that everybody whispers about, this woman that's been called the immoral woman, she immediately becomes an influencer. And, and her story shows us the valuable truth, if you're taking notes. You don't have to have it all together to influence someone else through Jesus. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know it all. You you don't have to have a seminary degree. You, you don't have to pray powerful prayers. You don't have to know the, is that reference of a verse. You know those moments say, "Hey, I know it's in the Bible somewhere," and they kind of go like this by paraphrase. You know, you don't have to know that point. You just say, "You just say, God, I don't have it all together," and God said, "That's okay. If I can use a Samaritan woman." to go into the town to tell people about Jesus, I can use you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have all the things fit in your life to be an influencer for Jesus. You just have to know who Jesus is. You just have to know him. You just have to care about the people around you. And you can immediately, right where you're at, Be a light in this world and salt to those around you. You can be salty and shiny. You just have to care about people. You don't need 400,000 people to have a platform or 400,000 followers to have a platform. You just need to care about the one person that's in front of you, the one person who's in front of you. You're an influencer. Listen to me. Listen to me. I don't care if you're 14 years old or 74 years old. You don't have to know it all. You just have to let your light shine before men and let thought do what thought does. You have no idea how one word of encouragement, one word of hope, one expression of love might influence someone to Jesus. So this woman, right, she goes back to the village. She's so excited. And she tells everybody, Meanwhile, the disciples come back, and they find out that Jesus has been talking to a Samaritan woman. They're like, what in the world is happening here? Why are you doing that, Jesus? And and, and Jesus begins to teach the disciples a lesson. And he uses the farming metaphor, a farming example, a farming idea, and that the harvest, talk about the harvest, how the harvest represents changed lives. And it is what Jesus says in so many words. He said this. The field is ripe for harvest, but the labor is few. And for our purpose, we could say it this way: Listen Church, the field is ripe for harvest, but the influencers are few. The few. Don't let culture rob you from, from your calling. By categorizing influencers as someone only on social media, it doesn't start with the platform. It always starts with the person right in front of you. You're an influencer. Now, back to the story. The woman, she goes back to town. She tells everybody, I noticed what happened, this outcast, this immoral woman, the one that people whisper about. (laughs) Look at what happened, verse number 39. Many Samaritans, and and, and that statement alone is just shocking. It would have been so shocking that anybody believed that one Samaritan alone could come to faith in Christ. But many Samaritans from their village believed in Jesus. Why? Because of one woman, one woman who didn't have it all together, who had influence. One unlikely woman who said in verse 39 that Jesus told me everything I did. In verse 40, when they came out to see Jesus, the, the town, they come out, they begged him to stay in their village. So Jesus called an audible. He was only there for a pit stop. He was only there to get a water break, maybe a quick lunch. The Bible said he stayed for two days long enough for a revival to happen in your town, for many more to hear his message and believe. Who did God use? Not an Instagram star, not a professional athlete, not a celebrity, not an author of a famous person. Not that God can't use them, but notice that God used a regular, ordinary, everyday, broken, simple woman. We've been transformed by Jesus. My friend, you have influence right where you're at, where you're living at today. You have influence. You don't have to have your whole life together, you don't have to know it all to have influence. Have you ever heard of a man named Edward Kimball? Edward Kimball. On April 21st, 1855, Edward Campbell walked into a little shoe store to talk to one of the workers who happened to be a student in his Sunday Shoe class. He went in that shoe store with the purpose of talking to that student about Jesus. He led that young man working in the shoe store, in the shoe store, led him to Jesus, and he became a Christian. Shortly after, about a year later, this young man left the shoe store in Massachusetts and moved to Chicago with the idea of, of, of making a name for himself in the shoe business world. And he's doing very good. He got going, but at the same time, God began to work in his heart started to have a passion for children and youth in the Chicago area. He got involved in an outreach in the late 1800s. got involved reaching kids for Jesus. But Before you know it, his passion for the souls of boys and girls and, and teenagers and, and adults, his passion outgrew his passion for making money and in the true business world, and he left the true business world, and he got involved more in outreach, started a church in Chicago. By the end of his life, he's a well-known evangelist, revivalist, traveled all over the world, started a Bible college. By the way, the Bible college is still in existence today. The church is still in Chicago. A guy used Edward Kimball. influence a man named D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody and Moody Bible Institute and Moody Church is still going on all because of one man named Edward Kimball. I love the quote by D.L. Moody. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through an inner man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him, God just want to use you. God just want to use you. You have no idea what one word of encouragement, one expression of love can mean to someone who needs a very small touch of God's love. So when you greet people on Sunday morning and you see someone that's a little nervous, uncomfortable, And you reach out and say, Hey, how you doing? We're so glad that you're here. God's using that one moment. You have no idea how that one moment might change that person's life. You, my friend, you're an influencer. When you listen to someone who's hurting at work, and you represent the love of Jesus in that moment, not by judging where they're at, but but by loving them where they're at. My friend, you're an influencer. I, when, when you post a scripture on Facebook or Instagram, or you share a, 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 a message or a Bible verse, you could influence someone on the other side of the world, a person that you may never meet. You're an influencer. What's your next step? You know, when you invite someone to church, a simple invitation, hey, I want you to come sit with me. Come sit with me. Don't just say, hey, come to my church. Say, come sit with me. I'll make room. Come sit with me. You're an influencer. They may not come right away. It's not always obvious. It's not always instant, but you're planting a seed. You're an influencer. When you start to talk and talk about Jesus and share the name of Jesus, and perhaps in your best way possible, you share what Jesus has done in your life and become a witness My friend, you're an influencer. You say, Well, God, I don't know all the answers. I don't know my Bible well enough. No, 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 no. You don't have to have it all together to be an influencer. You can do what God wants you to do. Do not let culture, idea of influence, rob you from God's calling. It doesn't start with the platform, it just starts with the person. And if you know Jesus, you are thought and you are light. Let your thought do what it does and let your light shine because God has created you and has created me to influence others to the love of Jesus. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have salvation in your name. We thank you that you influence all of our lives to the cross You were a man not born of stature, but you were born in a lowly stable. And you live in Nazareth. No one thought anything good comes out of Nazareth. But God used a man named Jesus. He began to fo- have followers, but the disciples, and they began to share your name and influence the whole world to you. And God, the mission has never stopped. For 2,000 years, you're using us to influence people for the kingdom, to influence people to you. And so, God, I pray that today we will be disciples of Jesus by the way that we influence. Help us to look at the one that's in our life. God, help us to reach the one. Help us not to be concerned about status and name and, 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 and platform. God, help us to reach the one that you place right in front of us. Help us this week to take next steps. In Jesus' name, amen.